Hello, and welcome to the Destiny Church Podcast. We trust that this will be a great encouragement to you and build your faith. Enjoy today's message. So we're in week two of a brand new series titled Follow. Okay, this is the the name of our new series, and last week we read through Jesus' early recruitment of his 12 disciples. Okay, now we know that there was more than 12 who walked around and followed Jesus, but there was 12 who got the focus. There were 12 who were set apart, and in Matthew 4, we read the invitation. It said this, as Jesus is walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, as Jesus called out to them, to Simon and Andrew in their boat, come Follow me, and I'll show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once, and they followed him. Now, what's so interesting, something maybe we never even recognized, is that Matthew 4 comes after John 1. And as we read through John 1 together last week, we saw that John the Baptist, who was a prophetic voice that was going to uh, recognize the Messiah's coming and take part in that announcing John the Baptist has two disciples with him, and as uh, he he sees Jesus, he's like, there's the Lamb of God. And so these two start following Jesus. One of those guys was Andrew. Andrew hangs out with Jesus in a house for a day. He's like, Jesus, you're so amazing. I want to go get my brother and have him meet you too. So he runs, grabs Simon, brings Simon back, and they're acquainted with Jesus. And then it says the next day they went to Galilee. Well, So what that tells us is Simon and Andrew were pre-exposed to Jesus before this moment of him calling them out of the boat. Why is that significant? What does that tell us about Jesus? Maybe they knew he was the Lamb of God, but it tells me that Jesus isn't just interested in us knowing that he's the Messiah and he's the Lamb of God, but he actually wants to be known by us. Come follow me intimately. This relationship is immersive. It's invasive in our lives. It's not just a once a week high five with Jesus. Hey, yep, still love you, Jesus. Yep, good to worship you. Off to my regular life. No, this is Jesus has invited all of us as believers, come and follow me. But why is following Jesus, why is it even important? Why is it even something that is worth filling up a room, standing on a stage and preaching it to that room full of people? Well, the scriptures are very clear on who Jesus is and why he's worth being followed. And I want to acknowledge those things really quick. Colossians 1 tells us this, starting in verse 15. Christ, Jesus, is the visible image of the invisible God. Wow, okay, what else does this thing say? He existed before anything was created and he's supreme over all creation, over you, me, sharks, trees, grubs in the dirt, he's supreme, he's the boss, he's above it and outside of it all. This is, Jesus is a a big deal, he's a big deal. He existed before anything, he's eternally existed. He didn't just start existing when he popped out of Mary. He has existed. He created everything. He created Mary, right? So so he is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. God has existed forever. Jesus has this, uh, the word of God, he takes on flesh. Let's keep reading. For through him, meaning Jesus, through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. 
He made the things we can see, the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, authorities in an unseen world. But here's the part of this verse that I love. I, I make reference to first or, or to Colossians 1 uh, almost every week. But, but I love this part. It says everything, say everything, was created through, say through, and for, say for. We were created through him, but he wasn't like, I'm gonna create you and then you're on your own. No, 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 he created us and then said, you exist for me. So if you're in the room today, if you got breath in your lungs, guess what? You got divine purpose on your life. You have design, divine assignments on your life. So to follow Jesus is to be connected with our creator who is indeed not just our creator, but he's the author of our story. He wants to write your story. He wants you to follow him and step into the good things that he prepared you for. I got more. John 1, starting in verse three, in the beginning, the word, which is Jesus, it's referring to Jesus, so the word and Jesus are synonymous here. In the beginning, the word already existed, because he has eternally existed, we already got that. The, the, the scriptures are consistent to communicate that. The word, Jesus, was with God, the word was God, okay? Mind-blowing, this is wild. He existed in the beginning with God, and God created everything through him. That includes you and me. And nothing was created except through him. The word, Jesus, gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. If you didn't know, your calling has been authored and assigned by your creator. So some of us are just wandering around or we've been feeling doomy and gloomy about how we have no purpose and significance and we don't know why we exist. Listen, I don't care if you're 89 years old. I don't care if you're nine years old. You have divine assignments on your life. You better wake up. You better wake up. Come on, God's got things he wants to do in you and through you. And as Jesus followers, as members of the kingdom of God, there are personal assignments that we have on our lives. Okay? Maria back here doesn't have all our assignments aren't the same. All our giftings aren't the same. I sing better than her. You know, it's just, it just, I can't be lying in the pulpit. That's sinful. That's sinful. There's personal callings, but there's also corporate callings. And there's things that if you are a believer in Jesus, if you decide to become a follower of Jesus, that there's an assignment that you receive by default. And one of those things is to be a disciple of Jesus, but to also make disciples of Jesus. Okay, that is a calling that we don't escape. That's on all of our lives. That's what this whole series is about, follow. The first two weeks have really been about following Jesus, submitting ourselves as a disciple of Jesus. The way you talk, what, what you tell me is right, what you tell me is wrong. I come into agreement with that because you're Lord. My life is not my own. I'm a disciple of you. You are shaping and molding me into the image of yourself. But then it's my job to not only grow strong and grow mature as a follower of Jesus as I do that, I also simultaneously have the calling to then teach others to follow Jesus the same way that I do. And we see that with Paul when he commands the church, follow Christ as I follow Christ right? So all that, that's where we're at in our series. 
There's an assignment, there's a calling on all of us to be disciples and to make disciples. And so I wanna look at a story of where we see a disciple being made and what was necessary for that to happen. Is that okay? I feel good, second service. Luke 5, here we go, verse 27. Later, as Jesus left the town, he saw a tax collector named Levi sitting in his tax collector's booth. Follow me, be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. So Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. So Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Just make sure you guys got that. Later, Levi held a banquet in his home with Jesus as the guest of honor. Many of Levi's fellow tax collectors and other guests also ate with them. But the Pharisees and, and their teachers of religious law complained bitterly to Jesus, why do you eat and drink with such scum? So just, just even if we don't know a lot about the Bible, we have enough context in this verse to say that religious people, church people are offended that Jesus would associate himself with such scum, with such sinners. So it isn't that Jesus just called a tax collector. Apparently he's called someone whose nature is disgusting, whose life has just been frowned upon by society. And now Jesus isn't just hanging out with him, but he's sitting at a table full of people like him. Jesus, what are you doing? Don't you know who you're sitting with? Yet Jesus has still had the audacity to say, you, come follow me. Just think it's interesting. Verse 31, Jesus answered, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. Jesus is so good. Isn't he? Like he's just, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I've come to call those who, not to call those who think they're righteous, but those who know they are sinners and need to repent. Let's pray and then I'll preach. Father, we love you. We invite your spirit to till the soil of our heart right now. Let it be fertile ground to receive the seed of your word, the seed of your truth. Let it take root in our heart and grow to produce fruit in our lives. We don't wanna come in week after week, listen to the word, nod our head, act like we agree with it, and then not apply it to our lives. Your word says those who do that, if we just hear it and we don't do it, we're deceiving ourselves. We don't wanna be deceived. We, we wanna be real, authentic Jesus followers. Cultivate us into a company of kingdom people who operate with kingdom patterns in a kingdom culture with kingdom power. That's what we want, God. We wanna be more like Christ. Do that through your Holy Spirit. Allow us to experience transformation. And I pray that this church would keep on fostering kids. In Jesus' name, we all said, amen. You know, um, I'm glad that I didn't get arrested for this. Um, <laughs> because it, it probably wasn't legal. But I'm gonna go ahead and share it with you guys anyways. Before I was DCM's campus pastor, DCM Destiny Church Marshfield, I was Destiny Church Republic's youth pastor. That was what I was doing before I was there. And so I've shared a little bit about this with you guys, or if you're new, you don't know. But so when I was the youth pastor, I was youth pastor for just under three years. And this youth ministry was massive, just under 200 kids every single week. And... um you know, it was just, but, but part of the reason what contributed to the growth, it was our proximity to the school. The middle school was right across the way. So once these kids were released from school, they could come hang out 
or, or they could walk to us very, very easily. So we took advantage of that. We recognized that could be something that's fruitful and helpful and well, might make way for us to build relationships with the kids and connect with the kids, so, which was obviously the devil whispering to us, you know. Um, just kidding. We start an after-school program, so at 3 o'clock, the storm's coming. 100 to 150 middle schoolers are going to walk over from their middle school. They're going to walk into our building, and we are going to host them and hang out with them. But the problem for me was at 3 p.m., all my leaders are still in the office. They're all still working. So we got like four leaders for like 150 kids, which isn't even safe. You know what I mean? And it didn't take long for these kids to realize that I got Chandler Childs in the room. He's one of them. He's like, yeah, this is, this is true. So good times, Chan, good times. And uh, so <clears throat> it didn't take long for them to realize that we're outnumbered. And the kids loved it. I really do. And we loved it. And it was a great opportunity to connect with the kids. But I also think they learned that this was a good place to get away with the things that they couldn't get away with in a school setting or at home. So, <laughs> you know, it wasn't uncommon for fights to be happening. Like this is, you know, if they had a beef in school or the cafeteria, all right, meet me at the after school program. Oh, okay, great, great, great. You know, there were days where I'm having to, like, strip search kids because uh, they got pills in their pockets and stuff. And just, it just got to the point where, you know, we were so accessible, which was, it was really beautiful because you have kids coming from all, kids who just, they love Jesus and they want to be at church, kids who like hanging out with their friends, kid who's just following his girlfriend here. We had from all different backgrounds, all different demographics, all different spiritual maturities, emotional maturities, ages. So that was really beautiful, but I think you guys could also understand where that would be really challenging at times too, right? So we have these kids, and there was this specific group of brothers that would come and hang out, and I really loved these kids. I did. I, I thought they were awesome, um, but it just, their behavior became consistent, and so like physical altercations were common with these kids, and their just behavior during service was really distracting. And uh, then they're kind of smuggling in pills. And, and it's just getting to the point where me as the shepherd, I have to look out for the sheep. And I have to make sure that the environment is, is safe and the atmosphere is safe for the sheep. And it's hard to discern. I know y'all are Y'all are just kids, and I, I know what you're coming out of, and I have grace for that, but at the same time, your behavior is like a wolf sometimes, and I gotta, I gotta protect the sheep from the wolves. Maybe that's harsh, but you rally 150 kids with three liters, and then let's have that conversation, okay? So <clears throat> constructive conversation, hard conversation after hard conversation, just trying to find some common ground with the kids and, and, and see if any improvement would happen and, and all of that. So I just want to make sure I don't get too lost in my notes here because I haven't even looked at them. So I just want to make sure when I come back, I'm in the right spot. But uh, so I have the conversation, but there was one of the brothers who had shown promise. We had had the conversations. I saw his behavior changing. And I'm thinking maybe if I can separate him from his other brothers, 
He'll be influenced by the rest of the good that's going on. So I told the brothers, hey, we're going to have to take a break. We've had conversations. You haven't come into agreement. You haven't honored those. So we got to kick you out for a little while. And then, you know, maybe down the road we can reconnect. But I said to this one brother, hey, I've seen you trying. And I want to honor that. I believe in you. So you can stay. But if you touch anybody, any fights, you're out. That's it. Do not touch anybody. Okay, Pastor Mark, I'll do that. You promise, I promise. Okay, come on. So he's playing, he's having a good time, but I'm watching this kid like a hawk, okay? Because I just, I don't need him punching little Johnny. And seriously, I got parents calling me, they're upset. They don't even really feel like they can, you know, call uh, or, or they can even have their kids come and sit and take part. So in the back of the building, there's these docks and then they're down on the cement and they're playing basketball. And he's in, in, in the, one of the brothers, the brother that I've allowed to stay, he's one of the kids playing basketball. I think they're playing three on three or something. And I'm watching and you can tell tensions are rising and it's getting competitive. And I'm like, oh Lord, here we go. I'm just like, come on, don't, don't do this. You know, don't do this as the game increases. And I can see one of the kids does something that he doesn't like. I can't remember the specific context, but I remember watching him and you could tell he's like, because <laughs> he wants to do the right thing, but he's just struggling, you know? And I'm just like, come on, man, you got this. Don't do this. And he's, you know, and he just decides. You can see it's like he just submits to it. And he's like, hey, blah, 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 starts running at this kid and starts grabbing this kid. And I jump off the dock. I jump, I jump down onto the ground. Peyton, go ahead, stand up for me here. I, I rip him. This is where I'm glad I didn't go to jail. I literally grab him off this kid, and I start ripping him. quit hurting my sheep. Don't mess with my sheep. Literally saying that. Come on, give it up for Peyton. You can go ahead and sit down. And I'm just roughing him, and I'm so, because I'm disappointed in him. I'm frustrated with him. I want him to do better. It's like he doesn't want to do better. I've tried to give him grace. It's like, come on, dude. But, but I think one of the most frustrating parts about it is you're supposed to be one of the sheep. Why are you attacking us? Well, why do you insist on the wolf-like behavior? You're, we want you to be a part. I want you here, dude. Like, but I can't have you punching everybody either. And it is so frustrating. And I think that this is some of the same frustration, not only, you know, religious leaders, but Jewish people of the day had with tax collectors. And this is why I understand in some of the context of the scripture is so important because it just broadens the magnitude and the weight of what's happening in some of these moments and events, especially in the gospels. But maybe we hear tax collector and we think we parallel that with tax worker. So when we read Jesus called a tax collector out of his tax booth to come and follow him, we're like, that's the same thing as Jesus walking over to H&R Block and saying, Judy, come out of your cubicle and follow me. Like, what's the harm in that? No big deal. And that's not what's happening here. If we're familiar with the New Testament connotations uh, with that word tax collector, 
we understand Jesus asking a tax collector to come follow him, we'd understand how audacious, how scandalous, how offensive that interaction between Jesus and Levi really is, especially in the context of not only Jesus being a Jew, but, other, but Jesus being involved with the Jewish people. Maybe you're like, Pastor Mark, you were just talking about being up a youth student, and now you're talking about a tax collector, and I'm not seeing, I'm just confused. Well, at this point in history, Rome is oppressing the Jewish people. And this is part of the reason the Jewish people were so anxiously awaiting. They were so ready for the Messiah to come because their thought process is the Messiah is going to be an earthly political leader who's going to set us free from our earthly oppression and and give us a better life on earth. Well, Jesus was going to do far more than that. They didn't know it, but they're thinking, then we'll, then we'll, we'll get out from underneath this Roman oppression. So part of what, these, what the Roman officers would do is where two territories would meet, they had, they set up tax collecting booths. And they taxed the Jewish people and they kept them in their impoverished lifestyles. And maybe you'd think that the person they'd use to man that booth would be a Roman officer or a Roman official or a Roman guard. It wasn't. They used Jews. So the Jew, and and what they would say, we're not going to give you, we're we're not going to give you a wage. We're not going to pay you to do this. But anything you collect above this number, you keep for yourself. So these Jews, you know, Peyton wants to pass. He's got to pay me 25 cents. I'm going to charge him 50 cents and keep that other quarter in my back pocket. So it was like they were joining with the enemy. They had compromised who they are so they could have a better lifestyle and more wealth. And they turned against their own. They went from being a sheep to being a wolf. They're punching their friends in the face while playing basketball is what I'm trying to tell you. And so these, this who the tax collector is viewed as, the stereotype of the tax collector of the day is you're a rat. You're two-faced, you're a betrayer, you're greedy, you're a liar, you have no place with us anymore, you've, you've compromised, you, you've, you've oppressed your own people, you're just as bad as the Romans are. Tax collector, you're disgusting. Yet Jesus, a Jew, has the audacity to invite this tax collector, this heathen, this sinner, this rat, this liar, manipulator, out of his booth to come and follow him. Luke 5, 27. Later, as Jesus left the town, he saw a tax collector named Levi sitting in his tax collector booth, and he said this, follow me and be my disciple. So I think it's important that we we don't just read through this verse too quickly. I I don't want to miss, I don't want to miss the, the, the gravitas of what's happening in this event. Jesus saw Levi sitting in his tax collector's booth. And just for a moment, I, I want to reflect on him calling Levi out of that booth, what that booth represents. Because I think it's more than just Jesus. I, I think that booth is a picture. I think it's a representative of something bigger Jesus calls him 
out of the booth. It's, it's more than a booth, it's a, it's a symbol. You gotta think about what takes place in that booth. It's dishonest, it's impure, it's degrading, it's greedy, it's disgusting, it's selfish, it's sinful, it's sin. And I don't need special revelation or a word of knowledge to know that I'm sitting in a room that's got a couple of Levi's in it. (laughs) In the same way Jesus sees the messages, or or in the same way uh, Jesus sees, you know, in, in the same way Jesus saw Levi in the tax collector booth, he knows what the booth is, he knows what it represents, he knows what Levi's done and what he's doing. In the same way, Jesus has seen the text messages that you've sent to the woman that isn't your wife. Jesus sees the addiction and the substance abuse that you've hid from everybody. Jesus sees the way you've been abusing your family when everybody thinks it's all gravy. Jesus sees the anger and the bitterness and the unforgiveness you're holding against your ex-husband Jesus sees how you've been dishonest with finances and dishonest with people. He sees it. Jesus sees how you're posting a Bible verse on Facebook next to your coffee, but you don't ever read your Bible. He sees it. I think we, you know, once, once, we, have a, once we comprehend who Levi is as a tax collector and really what that represents... I think it's easy for us to have this mindset of, Levi, how could you do that, man? Are, are you kidding me? How, how could you be so greedy and selfish and, and, and hurtful? What's your deal? <laughs> but there's some people in this room who, you know, I, I think it's easy. I, I want to be really careful with my words as I preach, especially as we read in James 3. I think what we say over people is, is so important. So for me to say, I'm in a room full of Levi's and you're all heathens and, you know, I think there's some people where you're in a season and you are blatantly staying in your booth when Jesus is telling you to come follow him. I I, I do. But I also want to acknowledge, I think there's people in the room where you've answered the call and you're following Jesus faithfully, right? That's not saying you're perfect. But, but you're, you're following him and, and you've got accountability and you're walking in the ways of Jesus with dependence on the Holy Spirit in, in the very best of your ability. You've responded to the invitation, understanding that Jesus is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. I wanna celebrate that. But there's some of y'all who you've heard the invitation to follow. You've heard the invitation whispered to your heart. And maybe you've liked the idea or you've even wanted to, yet you've stayed in your booth. This is really profound. I want you guys to write this down because you've never heard anything this deep before. You can't follow Jesus and stay in the booth. Everyone say, hi, Pastor Ryan. So this isn't a drum cage. This is my tax collector's booth. Okay, so Pastor Ryan's Jesus.
So here I am. We're gonna do we're gonna do a little reenactment for you guys. Does that work? You cool with that? All right, Jesus. <laughs> okay. Okay. I am. I, I raise my hands on Sunday. I post pictures of Bible verses. It would be crazy to say that I follow Jesus when I don't follow Jesus. So get back, get back up there really quick. <laughs> For me to say, if I told you, yeah, I follow Jesus, no, you don't. No, you don't. All right, let's do this again. All right, I got to I got to leave this though. Oh, all right. Where are we going, Jesus? All right. So wait, right here, right here. Right here, uh, I'm following we, we pray for people right here. Uh, man, I I didn't I'm not used to doing that. And then right here, I I give 10% and I I used to, man, I, I didn't feel like I had the bandwidth, and I, and I held that on to myself, but that's, oh, all right, all right. He, does, he, he gets double blessings. Over, over here, double well, blessings. man, no, man, Chandler's really offended me, man. I'm not cool with Chandler like that. I'm not, I got to forgive him now? So you see, when you, when you follow Jesus, there's new activity. There's new patterns. There's new thoughts, new location. I can't stay in the booth and follow Jesus, right? Can you give it up for Pastor Ryan? It's hard to say, Jesus is, my, Jesus is my Lord. I have faith in Jesus. I follow Jesus when you don't follow Jesus. Jesus called Levi out of the booth to follow him. So Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. You know, John 8 says it like this, John 8, 31. This is Jesus talking. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples. This whole thing, this whole thing is about being disciples, the whole series. You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. 1 John 2, verses three through six says, and we can be sure that we know him if we obey his commandments. So within my obedience, there's a whole different intimacy that I experience with Jesus. The strength of that relationship, the strength of my faith, the strength of my spiritual maturity increases as I continue to follow Jesus. And that's what we read in Colossians last week. If someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person's a liar and is not living in the truth. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. I love Jesus. Okay. Then we'll be able to tell. <laughs> we'll be able to tell. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. 
This is how we know we are living in him. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. I'll read that again. Just want to make sure we catch it. John, 1 John chapter 2, verse 6. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. And this isn't Pastor Mark's up here pointing his finger at us, wagging it, saying, I got it all together. I follow Jesus the best, and all you guys suck, and you're sinful. And I'm putting this together thinking, oh, man, in what areas of my life have I just stayed in the booth when I know he was saying, no, 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 that's, that's not what it looks like to follow me. I told you to follow me. I told you to follow me. I've had to have my own little heart check on have I fully left my booth to follow him. Because here's the deal. To deliberately allow sin, that key word deliberate, when I deliberately allow sin to exist in my life, that is not what it looks like to follow Jesus. Okay? I think it's important to understand that. There's choices to be made, and, 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 and there's discipline in following Jesus, and there's training and godliness where my faith my, and my spiritual strength can go strong. But Jesus is so good. He said, if you love me, you'll do what I command but listen, you don't even have to white knuckle the whole thing. I'm actually, I'm gonna give you help. I'm gonna help you obey my commands. I'm going to infuse you with myself. I'm going to inhabit your heart and give you power to follow me. Look at this. John 14, verse 15. If you love me, obey my commandments. This is Jesus. I will ask the Father and he'll give you another advocate. Some translations say helper. I'm gonna ask the Father he's, and he's gonna give you a helper and his name is Holy Spirit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna give you a helper named Holy Spirit who leads you as if I was following, leads me into all truth. can't receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him but now you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you no I'm not going to abandon you as orphans Jesus is saying yeah there will be a time Jesus knows there will be a time I go to the cross I, I, I get put in the grave I resurrect back to life 40 days later I'm going to ascend to heaven and it wasn't like man Jesus was awesome man that was great he's saying no I'm not going to leave you as orphans I'm not just ascending to heaven and leaving you on your own I'm going to infuse you with myself I'm going to give you my spirit and he's going to help you he's going to lead you into all truth he's going to help you obey my commands and walk in my plans and my purposes you just you just submit to him he's gonna he's gonna carry you there he's gonna break your chains he's gonna renew your mind at times he'll heal your body you trust this helper that's coming no I, I won't abandon you as orphans I'm gonna come to you soon the world will no longer see me but you'll see me since I live, you'll also live. And when I'm raised to life again, you'll know that I am in my Father, and you're in me, and I'm in you. And those who accept the commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, 
my Father will love them. And I will love them and reveal myself to each one of them. Will Jesus call Levi out of that booth? Levi got up, left everything, and followed Jesus. And I just wonder if there's some of us in the room heard or we're hearing the invitation of Jesus, hey, come and follow me. Those aren't the, remember, I, I didn't only create you, but you exist for me, and I'm good, and I'm loving, and I have plans for your life. Come and follow me. But Jesus, I, but, but Jesus, I like it in there, Jesus. I make more money in there, Jesus. I, I think that I won't be happy if I don't stay in there, Jesus. Come follow me he's beckoning us into a relationship with him that not only allows us to experience transformation and purpose and the fullness of love in this life but it is a relationship that changes the trajectory of our own eternity Jesus offering himself on the cross was an invitation to have your sins blotted out it is by faith that when we come into agreement with the idea that Jesus' sacrifice was sufficient for my sin the word tells us he joins his spirit with our spirit that's what happens he makes us new new spiritual DNA when I put faith in Jesus that when we believe the very nature of our spirit is made fit for heaven as Jesus joins his spirit with our spirit when we believe he inhabits our hearts and he is closer than a friend and he has that work within us Jesus is calling us follow me I've given you everything to follow me follow me question is, have you remained in your booth or are you available? Because right now, man, I read off some examples and I don't know if some of those are consistent with what's going on in the room, but Jesus is calling right now and he's calling you out of your sin. He's calling you out of old thought patterns. He's calling you into the new that he died to give you. He's he's convicting your heart, ready to lead you somewhere new. But are you available? Are you willing to get up, leave everything, and follow? Are you ready to follow? Thank you so much for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give to this ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. You can check out the link in the description to give or visit destinychurch.me slash give. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. We love you and have a blessed week.